See, I have a few little objections to certain things, and I can't swallow it all because I have problems with other verses that says, yeah, but what about this? But what about this? So before I just believe something because, well, that's the standard position of most independent fundamental Bible-believing missionary-minded Baptists, I just have to wait. How do I know that's the truth? So I read it and study it a little bit more, and at least I want to be able to say, I've read it, I've studied it, I've looked at all the options, and this is what I think. So when I tell you what I think, it still might be a little Yankeeology. That means that I can't swear by the hair of my chinny-chin-chin. But this beast that it's talking about, seven heads, ten horns. The ten horns, as you see, are ten kingdoms. In verse 12, the ten horns which thou sought, ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet. So they didn't exist at this time. So it's not talking about Rome. It doesn't exist yet. And it's talking about Whoever this woman is, is riding upon this beast and is talking about during the tribulation period. Wasn't doing it then. It doesn't say it does it in between. It's during this seven year tribulation period. I saw a woman riding on a beast. Now, this beast hates the woman. Whoever the woman is, the beast hates this woman. Well, how do you know that? Glad you asked. Look what he says there in verse 13. These kings have one mind. Give their power and strength unto the beast. So it's done democratically. They do it because they want to. They've been lied to, deceived. And uh, in verse 14, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. So this is talking about the kings that are going to be existed. Whoever this beast is, he's the one that is destroyed by the Lord when he comes back. And when you read the book of Daniel in chapter 2, verse 43 and verse 44, it says, In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven come to the earth. He's the stone cut out of the mountain without hand and destroys this Gentile power. So the woman that's riding on this beast, well, the beast is the Antichrist because he's the head of this last world government. So whoever this woman is, it's got to be somebody that the beast don't like, but he had to give him a ride. Look at verse 15. And he said unto me, The waters which thou sawest where the whore sitteth are people and multitudes and nations and tongues. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh, burn her with fire. Whoever this woman is, the beast is going to destroy her. The beast don't want her. The beast hates this woman. Whoever this woman is, the beast hates the woman. And it says in verse 17, For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will, and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast, until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest is, there it is, you ought to underline it, that great city, which reigneth over the kings of the earth. So whoever it is has to be a place where the 
Antichrist, the head of this last world government, will set up his palace in the Holy Land, and he is going to rule as king over the earth, whatever city that might be. Now, as you read it, and you come across a few other verses that says a little bit more, that might give a little bit more light. Look there in chapter 18 and verse 10. When this city or country or whatever it is, when it falls, or whoever this woman is that's riding upon this beast, she is thrown, and whoever the beast is is going to try to destroy her completely. In verse 10, standing afar off, for the fear of her torment, alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, in one hour is thy judgment come. One hour. Now that's a short period of time. So whoever this woman is, she is going to be destroyed in a short period of time. Not long, but a short period of time. Look in verse 18. And cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? Now, are we talking about New York City? Well, it might be New York City. After all, look how bad she is. And there's a lot of commerce being done. And when you read some of the descriptions through this, you might come to the conclusion it has to be. Unless between now and the tribulation period, something else happens that overshadows the greatness of America. Now, it might be America. It might be Rome. It might be Babylon over there in Iraq. But maybe it might be something else. But look what he says there in uh, verse 21. He said, and a mighty angel took up a stone like a giant, a great millstone, cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down, and shall be found no more at all. And down in verse 22, found no more. In verse 23, no more. No more. No more. Wonder what city this is. Now, maybe you have it all figured out. But I still have a few little problems with a few little things here and there. But let's just jump over to a place where God wants to show somebody something. And it's amazing that it uses these words. Take your Bible and look there in Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. And look in verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth was passed away. No more sea. I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, here's a holy city coming down from God out of heaven called the holy city. Do you know of any other place that's called the holy city? The holy city. Jerusalem is called the holy city. The nation of Israel called the holy people, a holy nation. But look over here in verse 9. 
He said, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, talk with me, saying, Come up here. I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me and underlined these three words. That great city. And what city was that great city? The holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. So we know, according to the Bible, there is going to be a great city, New Jerusalem, holy Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, down to the earth. And there will be a new heavens and a new earth. Now take your Bible and turn all the way over there to the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel and chapter 9. Remember, the 70 weeks of Daniel is not upon everybody in the world as far as prophecy goes. I believe it deals mostly with the nation of Israel. And you look there in verse 24, 70 weeks are determined upon and underline this word, thy people. And upon this word, thy holy city. Now, the holy city, Israel, it's supposed to be a city of peace, but it's been everything but a city of peace. When he makes the statement about the city being destroyed, it mentions that up there in uh, verse 25 down to verse 26, and the city shall be destroyed and the sanctuary. But what city do you think he's talking about? The city here that's going to be destroyed is the city of Jerusalem. Now, uh, take your Bible and turn over there to the book of Matthew. And the Bible tells us there's something else that's going to happen here. And I want you to see it in chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, and look there in verse 15. Remember where Christ was when he gave this prophecy. He was sitting there while his disciples were you know, marveling over the temple, Herod's temple. And he told them, says, this temple is going to be destroyed. And they said, well, when's all this going to happen? And then he talks about some things, and he says in verse 15, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Then he says, let them who... Soever readeth, let him understand, and they're to flee, so forth out of there. Well, when does this take place? In verse 15, in the middle of the tribulation period. Well, then where must the guy be that's going to do all of this? He claims to be God. When you read 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2, it says that he goeth into the temple and claims himself that he is God. So we know where he's at. And when you read the book of Daniel... And I believe in chapter 11, he talks about he shall plant his palace between the seas and the holy land. So if he's in the holy land and he heads up this last world government, then the city that he's riding upon, and remember, who does the Antichrist make a peace treaty with? It's made with the nation of Israel. Israel is a woman. 
Is it possible that in the last days that the Arab nations will make peace with the woman that they hate the most? There isn't anything, anybody, where they hate more than Israel. Israel is the most despised. In Matthew, in chapter 23, look there, where he says in verse 34, he says, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify. Some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. That upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zechariah. Abel is your A, Zechariah is your Z, all the way from A to Z. I thought I'd just throw that out for you. No. Whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I said to you, get this, all these things shall come upon this generation. All these things that he's talking about shall come upon this generation. What generation? The people that are living during the tribulation period. Because when he gets to chapter 24, he explains where it's going to take place, who is coming, and what's going to happen to this city. Now, when you look in verse 37, O Babylon, Babylon, O Rome, O Rome, O New York City, New York City. What does it say? It says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Remember the 70 weeks of Daniel is upon of thy people and upon thy holy city. So here you have the tribulation period. Why should I believe it's anybody else? I don't necessarily have to believe it's anybody else. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying I'm right. But I'm giving you another option just to look at, you know, to consider, to think. Because the last thing you want to do is just believe what everybody says. I don't want you to believe it because I say something. you got a Bible. You read it and you study it. If you don't agree with me, just have chapter and verse. That's all. Just chapter and verse. But look what he says. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killeth the prophets and stoneth them which are sin of thee. When he talks about over there, you have martyred God's people. You have slain God's people. What city has been wicked, more wicked than the city of Jerusalem over the years? And last of all, he sent his son. And what did they do to him? And didn't God say that the peace treaty will be made with Israel, this woman? And the one who makes the treaty hates the woman. So when you see this, then when you read chapter 12 about the woman and how the beast goes after the woman, and we know that that woman there is the nation of Israel, then you can see a little bit more as you take that and use that to understand some of the other scriptures. Not saying I'm right, but it sure looks good to me. He says, how often I would have gathered thy chickens or children together, even as a hen gathered her chickens under her wing, and you would not. Now look in verse 39. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now is it possible that God is going to use the tribulation period 
and use this wicked nation to chasten God's people. When Israel was in the land and they wouldn't obey the Lord, didn't God promise, even in the book of Deuteronomy, that he would send another nation that spoke another language and bring them in as a rod to chasten God's people, and they were taken away captive, and according to Jeremiah, they would be there for 70 years. Well, it happened, just like God said. Now, if he kept his word on that, is it possible that he's not through with the chastening of Israel? So when you read chapter 9 of the book of Daniel... And it talks about to finish the transgression, to finish the sins upon Israel. The seven years, seven years, is God's chastening upon God's people and upon his holy city, Jerusalem. And how it's going to have this great earthquake, read Zechariah 14. Now, who would have ever thought this? Because when John wrote, Jerusalem had already been destroyed. The temple had already been destroyed. 70 A.D., written about 90 A.D. So you're talking about 20 years has already passed. So it seems like you're talking about some, some other place when it might be written in such a way to throw the, you know, curiosity seeker off, but somebody who really wants to know the truth, you look at it and you read it and you study it and say, is it possible? Now, go back there to the book of Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11. And you'll notice in chapter 11, it makes a statement there in verse 8. And verse 8 says, And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of, and here's those three words again, the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. Where also our Lord was what? And where were these two prophets killed? In Israel. Where was the Antichrist? Where was his throne? In Israel. So now look there very quickly in Revelation in chapter 12. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun. Now, as you go through this, you'll see that this woman is talking about Israel. Look in verse 3. And it had the great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns. Just a coincidence. And he's after the woman, and he wants to kill the son that this woman is going to have. Last part of verse 4. To devour her son as soon as he's born. But didn't that happen when Christ was born? Mm -hmm. And then when you read chapter 5, and she brought forth a man child. Who did this woman? What woman? Israel. And the son was caught up into heaven. And that's where he's at. And then there's going to be a little battle going on, and we'll get into that next week when we talk about the whole chapter. But look in verse 13. When the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, and that takes place in the middle of the tribulation period, persecutes the woman which brought forth the man-child. In the midst of the weak, Daniel 9.27, when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, this is that time, and he knoweth that he hath but a short time, 
And he says to the people that are upon the earth, Woe, 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 for he knoweth that his time is short, and he hath great wrath. That's up in verse 12. And then you come down here to verse 17. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. This is Israel. So is it possible that the woman of chapter 17 might be Israel? I don't know. I can look at it from all those angles. You say, do you have a preface? Well, of course I do. Which one do you hold to? Well, if you haven't figured it out by now, you probably won't. But I'm not saying that it's, it's not the other views. I'm just saying that I have a problem with some of the logic, some of the reasoning, and that I can't definitely prove it by Scripture. But the book of Revelation, the tribulation period, is about Israel. It's about the holy city. And that this city is going to be destroyed because God's going to see to that. Oh, that's why it's going to be destroyed. And, it's, and it, it's just like, here's the Antichrist, and he sets up his place there in Israel, and he is head over all the, the earth. And people could say, well, how could you make war against so great a power? Look who he is. Look where he's at. He's in the Middle East. He's sitting in the ideal spot. And if he's ahead, then he controls all of commerce all over the world. Now, there is a possibility. The Lord may come back tonight. And there's a possibility the Lord may not come back for a hundred years. Whether you like it or not. There's been people every century since Christ that I believe he's coming back in their lifetime, and 2,000 years has passed. I believe he could come back. He could come back at any moment. But he could be on down the road, and everything that you see today may not exist that way in 50 years or 25 years. But I believe that the Word of God, it will not change. It will still be saying the same thing, but people will be able to understand it better. I don't have to understand everything to believe that the Word of God is true, that we're living at a miraculous time upon the earth, and I love life. I can't hardly wait for the next day. I love knowing what I know, and I'm also thankful I don't know all of it. There's some things I'm glad I don't know yet. I don't know how I'd handle it. I don't know what I'd do with it. It might be knowledge that would be, you know, too much to bear. God doesn't let us see everything or know everything. He says, secret thing belongeth unto the Lord. And I believe as time goes on, more will be revealed. So this is not in concrete. But I need to explain to you my view. So that you can study better and you might come up with a, a greater understanding. Look up here. And just in case somebody happens to be watching Saudi Arabia or Pakistan or, you know, who knows where. I want people to know God loves you. This hand represents you and me. The Bible says that you and I are all sinners and that we have all sinned. We're all condemned. 
And God says that he loves us and he wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. And God says that you cannot save yourself. You cannot earn eternal life. You cannot work your way to heaven. We need a savior. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He is the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us, but he hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ took the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead and said if we would believe he did it for us, he would put this payment to our account and we get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did. That's good news. Best news in all the world. One of these days, it's going to all be over. One of these days, we're going to be out of here. And the longer I live, the more excited I get about it. I'm more excited about it now than I was 35 years ago. 40 years ago. Because I know I'm getting closer to this side than I was on the other side. I've got family on the other side, so heaven, every time I lose somebody that I know, heaven gets a little bit more precious to me. And I wonder sometimes, I wonder what they're doing. I wonder what Hank's doing today. What do you think he's doing right now? You think he's listening to the sermon? You think he's looking at you? He's up there looking down at you. Say, so you knucklehead, get busy, do something. I don't know. But it's great to wonder sometimes. We live at a great time in history. One day it'll all be over. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. If you're here tonight in the auditorium or if you're listening by internet, God loves you. He loves you so much that he died on that cross to pay for your sins. He said if you believe he did it for you, he would give you as a free gift everlasting life. He says you couldn't earn it, you couldn't work for it, you can't buy it. You see, it's a gift. It's totally free. Friend, I'd never heard that before. Not until I was 18 years old. And somebody gave me the good news. I didn't know that you could have eternal life and know that you're going to heaven. But when I heard it, I was not going to turn it down. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So if you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you trust Him right now? Just talk to the Lord. You can't make a mistake that way. Only the true and living God knows your thoughts. You can just say something simple like this, Lord, I don't understand it all. I know I'm a sinner. I believe Christ died, paid for my sins, and right now I will trust Him as my Savior. I believe He died for me. And friend, if you'll trust Him, God will save you and give eternal life. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We thank you for each person here. We're thankful for the radio ministry, for the internet ministry. And we pray, Lord, that people around the world will see and hear and understand that in spite of all the things that are going to come up on this earth, we're all going to die. And we need to know you as our Savior. I pray that you'd help each person to see and understand so they'll put their trust in the payment you made for them. And knowing that you'll give them as a free gift everlasting life. We thank you for it in Christ's name we pray. Amen.